Welcome to Back to the Point, Episode 6. My name is Migs. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Ian, the other host. And it's been a long time since we've uh, had a podcast. I believe it was the end of February, and now we are already a third of the way through the month of March. So there have been quite a few Sharks games that have happened, and we will dive into them. Yeah. I I think the most interesting news that happened definitely was the trade deadline move that uh, Doug Wilson did. But um, before that, we can just talk about a couple of the games that happened before that. You know, kind of fit together. Um, specifically, I'm talking the away game at the Canucks and the um, the game at home versus Toronto. The Toronto Canucks sandwich. Yeah, the Canucks, Toronto Canucks. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, so that first game against the Canucks is on the 25th. Um, this was the first game. Oh, yeah, I like this. So this was the first game after the bye week had ended. and um, Also Vancouver, the 25th. I think it was the 25th. The thing with Ian is that he watches his games delayed, so he'll watch them after midnight. And so he thinks that they happen the day after they actually happen. I'm sitting there taking my game notes, and I, I have a certain format that I have in the title, and I'll be typing, and I'm like, oh, what day is it? It's the 12th? Okay. It's like, nope, it's now the 12th. It was the 11th. Anyways. It was important. three days ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot of times the games happen at the same time during my hockey games, so I have to watch them a little bit. Yeah, your weird hockey games at 10 p.m., right? Yeah. Well, there's... Yeah. Of which there's you have no... one tonight, right? Your game starts at 9.45 yes. tonight? No, it starts at 10.45. So oh, 10.45, no. even better. <laughs> I'll finish my game early tomorrow. Right. Maybe, yeah. Anyways, so this is the first game back after the bye week, um, and it was we were very, very lucky to be playing the Canucks, who had also just finished their bye week, because I think there was, before this, it was like teams coming out of the bye week were like 3-8. and eight. Like three and eleven or something, something big like that. Basically, if you're coming out the bye week and you're playing a team who had not just come off the bye week, you were gonna lose. So it was very nice that the Canucks similarly also had just ended their bye week. And Migs, you know the happiest part about the bye week that I had coming out of it? What was that? The Sharks still emerged in first ahead of Anaheim and Edmonton. They squandered their time, so that was awesome. I really like that. And uh, the Canucks were missing four or five other players with the mumps and started a mini outbreak in the NHL. Yeah. Luckily, we did not. <laughs> that is... Which we did not catch, which was awesome. Yeah, that's kind of that's scary a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, what did you say about the Oilers? I was not listening there. Really appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> I that <know>. was... <laughs> I think I, I got a call, and so I had to silence that, and then I phased you out. I'm, I apologize. Well, no one no one heard that you got a call until just now when you said it, so... Right. Well, okay. no, I silenced. Did a good job, but I lost my focus. Good job. Well, back to the Something point. about the Oilers losing, maybe? Yeah, Oilers and Anaheim left the bye week, uh, and they did not capitalize on it. Once oh. we started back up, we still came yeah. out ahead. That was great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the funniest thing... So this game was kind of a stinker from both teams. I think the first period was just like a wash. Um, we scored some goals. The Canucks scored one. We came out of the first period. No, actually, the first period, there's no scoring. My only note was, game is starting off sloppy. And yeah, it was it was just both teams trying to really just get back into the flow of things, and the Canucks really having four or five players of their regular players out of the lineup um, due to the mumps. 
Uh, I think the funniest thing I saw was that Tomas Hurdle had a sunburn. <laughs> did he start. really? He did, which is the most like hurdle thing ever. <laughs> I don't know what he did, but he like he he went out for the the first face off or something, and I was like, his face looks kind of red. I was like, he hasn't really played yet. I was like, I think that's a sunburn. <laughs> and the more I looked at, it, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a sunburn. Which is just funny because it's Tomas Hurdle. Yeah, he's he's an adorable man. Very endearing. I thought something yeah. was funny. Uh, there was a player because, as you said, a lot of the Canucks players are out the mumps, so they're bringing up a lot of AHL guys, minor leaguers, and I, I think one of their players, his name was Labate, and Kevin oh, LeBank yeah. was also playing. So Randy Hahn was making a, a concerted effort to say Labate very. Uh, very clearly in distinguishing the the two players so at one point towards the end of the period i think he said uh labate sent it to la center ice <laughs> la center <laughs> ice just because he had said it so many times at that point and i was like that's funny randy good job um so we're talking about this game in loose terms because it was boring yeah it, then, I, I also noticed that they had a trouble um yeah. They were kind of getting their legs under them. I saw some pretty good defensive plays. Uh, Burns had a uh, – it was one of those things where he gets a shot off and there was a quick, like, rebound going back the other way. But he, he read the play well and got back um, well to break up a potential counterattack. Um, Thornton had a good swat out of the air um, mm-hmm. in the defensive zone. They, I think the Canucks were streaking down, like, a two-on-one sort of situation. And they got, like, a um, – across ice like saucer pass that they tried to make and Thornton swatted out of there with a stick, which is pretty impressive. Just one of those little details that you see the pros making that demonstrates their high talent. And I think at the end of the game, he had a, a little nifty deke thing at a, at a slow speed. Um, But just one of those things that you're like, wow, these are professionals and they're really good. So, yeah, I think the first, yeah, like we said, first period kind of started off. Second period, the Sharks just started to score. The Canucks got one. Sharks had two by the end. Um, and then the Sharks just kept on scoring, which was great. Um, Another I interesting thing goal... I thought about this was uh, Miller. He had one of those awkward goalie plays where he went out of his net and we almost had a really good chance. But then the very next period, the second period, Jones had an even like worse chance that he gave away to like an open net but they didn't score either um so it kind of evened out but uh yeah just i, I always find those funny. the rust you know even from the goalies you could see yeah yeah uh the sharks actually had some good goals uh the last goal in the second period schlemko y- y'all can watch the highlights again but he he had a really good play like making a play from the point and then he joined the rush of this like diagonal pattern down to the far side of the net and then like ended up being there for a pass again and then left it um, for Tierney and Tierney like ripped it. Yeah, and Marlo Marlo cleaned it up. Oh, I thought Marlo, that play, Marlo got it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that play was really nice and I also agree that uh, yeah, he just super, made it really kind of made things happen, which is cool. Yeah, he super created that um, goal out of nothing which was really cool to see because i've always kind of seen him as like a shifty guy uh in the offensive zone while being defensively mostly responsible definitely yeah and it's just fun to see him create stuff like that yeah and then after that uh bodker 
got a great snipe against Miller again. Um, and even started... yeah, even before that, Marlowe had a chance that he hit off the post too. But I remember, yeah, I just my notes just say nice snipe by Bodker, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. Um, it was a it was a good game to be playing one of the worst games, worst teams in the league, who also came off of their bye week when we came off their bye week is probably the nicest like resurgence back into hockey that we could have had uh i agree couture's goal uh, at the Uh, end on the power play that's just a typical couture goal he loves shooting from the left circle like that's his like sweet spot you know does he shoot left or does he shoot right I can't I hope remember he right left now. And then ultimately, it can buy his curve in like ten years. Right. So he shot uh, short side from the circle. He just that's like a really good sniping position for him. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, another note that I had on this game, I thought Joel Ward had a really good game. Um, Dude, Joel Ward just mm, he cre- I'm a fan now. Yeah. He, I, I really like what he adds to this. Obviously, what he did for us last year, but. Yeah. He created some good offense. He worked hard on defense. Um, and in the second period, the Sharks were on a on a penalty kill at one point. And Ward single-handedly blocked, like, maybe four shots. Oh, yeah. And that he was, was gassed and probably in pain. But he, he did an excellent job on that penalty kill. Not to mention, like I said, he did an excellent job with uh, creating chances and getting things going in, in the offensive zone as well. Um, so yeah. once again, great signing Doug Wilson <laughs> along with Paul mm-hmm. Martin. So two great signings yeah. last year. Uh, I agree. Should, do you want I, I was trying to look up what Couture, um, whether he shoots left or right. And I, I forgot to do that. Oh, that's fine. Is there anything else you want to talk about this game? Oh, uh, another weird thing. We talked about the mumps, but Spiza, Lucas Spiza got taken out of the middle of the game because of the stomach flu. Yeah. Uh, very bizarre, right? With all these sicknesses happening. Yeah, they probably just were being super cautious. Yeah. Which I hope they were. And I don't remember, I didn't remember to like follow up to see if he had like a, uh, to see if he got the mumps or something like that. But um, yeah, I didn't either. But just a sickness, sickness plagued time for the team. Yeah. Did you find if he shoots uh, left I or right? I did. He shoots left. Okay, yeah. So just like me. Also, just like the majority of Canadians. So yeah. Yeah. So obviously he'll be able to if he's on the left circle, he'll be able to protect the puck better, um, going yeah. down that side, and then he kind of sizes things up, slows down his skating a little bit, and and rips it. He he does mm-hmm. a pretty good job of that, I think. Yeah, he does. He does a really good job of being delayed at the higher slot, being like the last one in. Yeah, I really like that. Definitely. Um, shall we move on to the Toronto game that occurred on February 28th? Yes, definitely. Um, this was a fun game. I think during this game, or right before it, the Sharks announced uh, the Yannick Hansen trade. Is that correct? Uh, I yes. want to say... Yeah, because it was the day before the trade deadline. So, yeah, yeah it, was it was during February this game. February 28th, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. My note was created at 8.51 p.m., so I'm sure that's right. <laughs> yeah, again, this was a pretty good game. Um, you can tell that the 
the the Maple Leafs are better than the Canucks. Similarly, also going through some rebuilds, except for they actually have some pretty high talent players. Uh, I think they have eight rookies on the roster, which is pretty incredible. But um, yeah, this game kind of uh, Toronto started off with the goal, and then the Sharks got three in a row. So I mean, they started off well, and again, the the majority all I felt about this game was that uh, the Sharks started to out shoot them a lot. Um, no one scored in the first period, but the Sharks outshoot, outshot Toronto 13-5. to um, And then that just continued to pay off for us. And we eventually just got three goals after they got the first one. Yeah. Which, Which is they got on the PK, yeah. Or on power their penalty. Power play. Yeah. Um, that's great, Ian. Always say things from our perspective. <laughs> as, the, yeah. as the Sharks, right? Yeah, also... Uh, <laughs> they Thornton scored his... on our penalty kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can definitely tell I'm a Sharks fan. Yeah, Toronto's goal is by Austin Matthews. That was his 31st goal. Yeah, um, dude, that kid. Really oh, good. He's so good. Do you want to get into the Calder trophy? Uh, not really. I always, okay. They're always talking about it on podcasts. They're always talking it's, about it. They're talking about It's going to be Line Austin or... Matthews or Line A and maybe Mitch yeah. Marner, and that's pretty much what it's down to. So I think Mitch Marner won't get it because he's been injured for a while, and then there's already other good candidates in, in Matthews yeah. and Line A. I've heard... I think... I think ultimately uh, Matthews will win just because he's putting up such similar numbers, but then is also a center and right, has, to, yeah. has to do so much more. Um, I think that'll win out because that's generally kind of what comes off. Yeah, I, the only defenseman I've really heard, I think the he's a young player on Columbus. Is it Provorov? Uh, no, Wierenski. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> just for, thank you, just Wierenski and then uh, Provorov. Ivan Provorov plays for uh, Philadelphia. Flyers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was taken similarly when we took. Uh, I think it was a uh, hurdle. Or Provorov? I'm just wrong. Or was it? Yeah. Um, it was either hurdle or Goldovic. Meyer. It was a Meyer. I can't. Oh wait. no! Yeah, it was Timo Meyer. I think. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Good win by the Sharks. Uh, Thornton got assist number 999. Yep. He's on the cusp. Uh, Then a couple days later, they played the Canucks again at home. I think think we should say that we will talk about the Yannick Hansen trade after we continue to cover these games. That's going to basically be the major talking point. Yeah. Uh, We will not forget about that. We will not, yeah. Uh, So next game we play Toronto. (laughs) Next game we play Vancouver uh, at home. And ironically, uh, as we'll touch on later, we got Hanson and we gave Vancouver Goldobin, but neither player was playing the game because they both had visa issues. So, Yeah. What can we say about this game? Um, Sorensen got his first goal. Um, it was a pretty good read and react mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it was kind of a cleanup goal a little bit, right? But he he had to be pretty aware. I thought he did a yeah, good job. Yeah, he, he had he had a really good position. Mm-hmm. Um, he got his uh, he got into the front of the net, and he just was able to um, draw it out, pull it out into like a shooting angle, and then he had a really good like idea and just like quick thinking to shoot it between the defenseman's feet. 
who was standing right right in front of him, instead of trying to do it like a big deke or shoot around him, he just shot directly through the guy's foot feet and uh, it bounced off of Miller's pads and in. Was that it? I thought um, he just shot it like through the side of the net, but I can't really remember. No, no, no. It was in front of it. It was off to the side, yes, but he shot it through the defenseman's feet because everyone was like super scrambling. Yeah. And then it uh, hit like Miller's leg pad, but Miller was way out of position and it wasn't like in a blocking angle. It was just like almost 90 degrees to the goal line and it just went in. And it was a, it was a really great heads up play, and I thought he uh, he definitely is up there on the depth chart, high up on the depth chart for uh, forwards to come in and um, if need be come playoff time. I think uh, Hansen kind of pushed everyone down, and we had to give give the uh, the Barracuda some of our rookies, but I think um, Sorensen got an extended stay even after Hansen. Or while after we had traded for Henson, while we were waiting for him to get there, so. Right. And I think I he's think, playing tonight yeah. with uh, Melker Carlson injured. Um, the oh, date yes, that we're recording we'll is March 11th, or sorry, March 12th, by the way. Oh, um, look at you. <laughs> I know, right? I don't even know today's you can date. Harp on me. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Sharks kind of started this game off kind of lethargic, um, and then as the period went on, um, Bodker. Got the tying goal just under four minutes to go after the Canucks repeatedly given up like two on ones and three versus two, three on twos. Um, and they, they got an early goal on their power play. Um, and then, yeah, it just took a while. And then Haley fought Cramarosa, I think it was. Okay. Um, and then that, I think that actually brought the Sharks, like, made them wake up a little bit which is what the announcers always say that, that it does. And then I've never really seen that be the effect until literally this game. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess that does work. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Sharks started to control play about like 10 minutes left of the period. And then the Sharks just took it away from there. And for the rest of the game, it was all Sharks. It's definitely good news. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add about that, but it was it was basically a bleed over from last game. Yeah, not we too much. I, I watched uh, most of this game. Um, I just didn't take too many notes. Uh, I, I was back home in San Jose during that time. Um, yeah, I, I was. I feel the same way. It was a pretty uh, grindy game. I think it was the third win. Was it the third win in the row at, the, at this point? So um, it's yeah. pretty good. So yes, uh, it was. A fun fact is the Sharks break the curse about the, all the way for the fast past 15 meetings of these games. The away team has always won. Oh, wow. For the past 15 meetings. Oh, which yeah, I, think I remember like this. Six or eight meetings a year. So it's at least two years. Um, oh, and they finally won as the home team. So good because the Canucks are terrible now. So they, <laughs> should, they should win. Yeah. So it was good. Uh, the next game was against Winnipeg, which was pretty momentous. Um, was it against Winnipeg or? Uh, no, sorry. No, it was I'm sorry. Minnesota. It was against the Wild. Do you know why? Do you know why it wasn't against Winnipeg? Because Winnipeg was on March 6th, which was my birthday. Oh, you know. And Jumbo <laughs> Joe gave me a present for my birthday. He did. Well, we will get to that. But they, uh, they played the Wild. Uh, yeah. What did you think about this game? I hate the Wild. 
<laughs> I hate they the wild more for suck. what happened in the first game of the season. Against yeah, them. this was just like such a grindy game. I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy watching this game, and then I really didn't enjoy it because we lost. Yeah, but like, they're the best team in the Western Conference. I think. I believe they still are. Yeah. Yeah, if Chicago's not, coming it's them or close. Chicago. It's yeah. one of the two, but they're one of the top couple teams in the West and in the league. And uh, we've talked previously. I think we just kind of don't like Minnesota. I just th- don't think we believe in them slash trust that they're actually Stanley Cup contendingly yeah. good. I think we talked about that our last, last podcast. You refer to them yeah. as the team of mercenaries. The team of mercenaries and then otherwise highly skilled young players. Right. Yeah, and then Eric Stahl, who happened to just like be a good player again after like rotting away in Carolina for a while, he's like, "Oh, I can still play." It's like, "Oh, dang it!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, you can. Why don't you start the recap for this one? Well, I I don't really have much to say about this game. I think the general consensus was that um, the Sharks kind of hung in there. Uh, and maybe had a chance to tie up the game. The The Wild got two goals uh, in the first. Uh, Melker Carlson tied it up. Uh, not, he, I'm sorry, he didn't tie up. He got a goal for the Sharks at the end of the first. Um, it stayed 2-1 until the third. The Sharks had a, had a chance to tie it up. But the general consensus, I believe, was that they were somewhat listless and, and weren't competing well against um, the Wild in what was considered somewhat of a measuring stick game of uh top western conference teams so that was disappointing um but at the same time you kind of have to take things as they come there there are going to be times during the regular season where your team doesn't play excellently Um, exactly and this this could have just been the case where they just had a bad game you know Mm -hmm. and you think back to the last time we played we scored four goals against them or five goals against them, right? Four, I think, and we lost 5-4. We four against them, and yeah. we lost 5-4 or something like that. Uh, in a terrible loss. That was probably albeit. the second worst loss of the season. Yeah, but at that point in the se- season, they were just as good as they have been now. Um, they didn't get, like, hot later, or if they did, not anything that made them... Basically, what I'm trying to say is they've been in the top position in the Central for more or less the whole season, and... In that game, we single-handedly came out and like destroyed them, and then we just gave up at the end of the game. But so this game, just kind of it being the way it felt, was just very grindy and even for the most part. With the edge going to Minnesota, it's not like every single rush they had was like super dangerous. It was just that the Sharks didn't look very good. They were kind of. Uh, controlling the game and making sure that we couldn't have anything link up well. Um, but even then, they, they scored three against us, and I think our defense is, is pretty good. Well, the last one was an empty net, wasn't it? Um, I think it was. So, I think more of the yeah, problem is yeah, that yeah. the Sharks they, couldn't... They scored. Right. I think more of the problem is that the Sharks couldn't really get much going offensively. Yeah, see, that's the whole thing. Is like it they, wasn't tilted they... in their favor, per se. Mm-hmm. It was maybe like 60-40 Minnesota Sharks the whole game, but just like a grindy game, not a lot of room, not a lot of time to think, like neutral zone clog type stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and 
I will say Minnesota kept the Sharks to only one scoring chance in the last two periods. Um, yeah. Yeah, which, so like, I will say Minnesota didn't necessarily look extremely potent the entire night, but they did a very good job, which made it feel very, you know, um, grindy and defensively minded game. Yeah, and if if you take the the two games that we've already played against Minnesota this season, um, mm-hmm. of course we both lost, and they were both kind of bad losses. But they 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 weren't really the same type of loss. In the first game, we definitely could score against them, and they just kind of fell apart. The Sharks fell apart on defense at the end. Whereas this yeah. game, it was more of a offensive troubles issue. Um, mm-hmm which we've seen more consistently with other teams about the Sharks um, not really being on their game, not really getting their offense going. So I wouldn't really worry too much, uh, even as a comparison of how we would stack up against Minnesota. I think I think we're playing them at least once more for the remainder of the season coming up here soon. And if we were to face them in the playoffs at some point, you know, playoffs is a whole different animal, and yeah. I think we might fare differently, so... Migs, um, can we can we take a moment to think about this? What think about what? Are we selling Minnesota short and hyping up the Sharks too much? Mm. Well, I, no, I mean, I'm 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 just what I just said was not. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. You're just discounting saying in what general you say because I agree with what you say. Yeah. But then I just think it's like, well, you know, they are very good. Yeah. But I think they have this like stigma against them that the sharks have had for a while until last year where they finally made it to the final and we're, you know, we're good for a very long time. So maybe it wasn't as fair as it was in previous years about the choker label, but like, but I don't Minnesota think Minnesota has, has had that same. Uh, I'm not saying that they've had this choker label, yeah, but they've been, you know, top team in a long time and running into the like Chicago buzzsaw. Yeah. Is it just because they're like a very good regular season team and maybe don't have the medal needed for the playoffs? Or is it just that Chicago has their number? Like Chicago is a very good team. And, you know, unfortunately that sucks for them to keep on playing Chicago. But listen, I, I, I'm to the point where I believe Minnesota is a good team this year. And, you yeah. know, their coaching change has helped and their players are clicking well. I think they're getting pretty good balance scoring. They don't have like a 30 goal score on their team, but they've got pretty balanced scoring throughout their lineup um their defense is doing well and everything and and i do admit that some of where we're coming from comes from our own bias but part of that bias involves not really believing in minnesota because we've sensed that they've been a very average team what's up yeah like you're saying they've they've been very average and now all of a sudden they're they're good so it's kind of hard to believe yeah, they haven't earned it. Um, but that I also think they're they're riding Dubnik a bit. He's having a crazy good season. Right. I I think um, they have a shot. Definitely. I think I don't want to sell them short. I I yeah. just I, I don't worry about Minnesota like like I would about Chicago. You know or yeah. And I know LA is doing terrible this year, <laughs> but if they snuck into the playoffs and we played against them, like I just would not want to play LA because of how those matchups usually go. Um, yeah. Also, Literally my heart wouldn't be able to handle <laughs> another series. Not loss again. Oh my gosh. LA, which I, I don't even want to think about. Um, yeah. Because Minnesota is like an unknown quantity. So 
and, and when it, when it's whenever it's a new team that you haven't really faced in the playoffs before, it, you kind of see it as a challenge. Like, oh, like yeah, yeah we can do this. Like, uh, the rivalry hasn't really developed. There isn't things that you necessarily fear about the team yet. Yeah. So, so when I look at Minnesota, I kind of agree with that. It's like. What do I fear about Minnesota? Are they all like super hard gamers that just like never give up like LA, which also has a ton of talent like LA, where just like no matter what the game score is, no matter whenever you play them, it's always going to be a brutal game where they're going to come for you and they can win. Do I see that same thing on Minnesota? No. Have I played them enough to see it? Probably not. Yeah. But they don't exactly. have the like they're they're huge all star players, you know, Zach Carize and Ryan Suter. Like ever since they've signed their deals, they have not had like the seasons that their deals would indicate uh, yeah. define them to be. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this previously, but I think that handicaps them to, you know, do what they need to do. And they've definitely shored up some players at the day, at the trade deadline, trying to make themselves even uh deeper. I think they got Hansel and uh definitely I think they gave up their first and second round pick this year or something like that. Anyway, so they're they're trying really hard to get as much depth as they can get, but and, I don't see anyone on the roster who will punish us. Right, yeah. They're just a uh, overall deep team. They're a good yeah, they're playing a great team game this season, you know. Mm-hmm. Their offense is clicking, their defense is doing well, they they have good goaltending. Um, great goaltending. Yeah, yeah, they don't they don't really have holes in their roster. Now that's the thing. Another aspect, like why I would fear Chicago more or um, Anaheim for a different reason. Why I fear Chicago or just other, a lot of other teams that we've maybe seen in the playoffs before is that they know how to win more and they've been Mm -hmm. in the playoffs more or gone farther. So I think that's why I would uh, be, less less frightened of a matchup there now then again like once the series starts like we we played nashville last year and going into that series it was kind of like oh we're the higher seed like this is good but that was a tough series that was like the hardest series minus the penguins you know (laughs) yeah so um that was super fun you know and and if if somehow we would end up playing minnesota again in the playoffs like something else like that would happen you know yeah, Probably. I would not describe Nashville as fun. I'm pretty sure my life expectancy got like one year less after watching that. <laughs> Dude, but how good did it feel to like get that justice Dude, that of winning so that series? So that was probably sweet, the, the sweet best hockey justice. That game seven was probably one of the best games I've ever seen the Sharks play, and it was so yeah. just... so intense. Yes, I'm getting hyped now. Okay, let's oh. <laughs> just because of that game four. Oh, I brought this up like four no, times stop. on the podcast no. already, no. but uh, no, that was that was it was just like one of those series you'll remember, you know. Definitely. So uh, no, I don't want to sell Minnesota short. I think uh, like they're a they're a good team. Am I biased? Yes, I acknowledge my bias as a Sharks fan and also as uh, having more respect for teams that have already been in the playoffs and have had playoff experience. But I don't want to sell Minnesota yeah. short, like. They've got to get good sometime, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. They uh, they have Boost Boudreaux. And Boost Boudreaux, the longtime coach of the Capitals, where they were so good for so long. I don't know how many President's Trophies the Capitals had. And they never made it deep in the playoffs. Um, 
or if they did, it was like only once, and they they constantly seemingly choked. And they were they were, uh, had the same label that the sharks had, but on the east coast. So then there's that causation or correlation. Boudreaux in the Capitals now. Boudreaux got fired, and he's the head coach of the Minnesota of the Minnesota Wild, and and now they have another fantastic regular season head coach. Yeah. And now Boudreaux now so I think that doesn't help the doubters against Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Right, because they'll point like, fingers well, at you him. have the head coach. Yep, now you'll have the head coach who will just lose in the first round or second round, yeah. even though you're deep enough to probably go three or four. And did you mention Anaheim four four straight seasons with losing losing in the first round in Game yeah, Seven? Anaheim. Think? Yeah, I don't. I just but you look at Anaheim, and it's not like they've been some like elite team. Oh, I, I, I never felt that. like they, I, they. I mean, they went to the Western Conference Final a couple seasons ago, didn't they? Right. You're Sorry, right. they didn't they, always they in the were first very round. Good what I meant to say is they've lost in Game 7s the last four years. Yeah. I think they've been deep for a while, but I just don't think that they're elite. No. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's hard, it's hard to say because, again, thing. Anaheim, we haven't played in the playoffs since 2009. So yeah, which they I think they've been us. good, but other people have cleaned them up, you know? Yeah. And, But, yeah, they, they didn't, they've definitely gone farther in the first round, but... Uh, Lots of game oh. seven losses. Yeah, definitely. I'm not saying that they did that, and if I did, I didn't, I didn't mean to. So, wh- yeah, what were you gonna say? Let's go to Winnipeg. Yeah, uh, I thought this was a really exciting game. Winnipeg is traveling one of those teams. What? To Min- traveling to Manitoba. <laughs> Winnipeg. But Winnipeg looked scary. I mean, like their offense Dude, was scary? just not not scary like in totality, but their offense was. <laughs> Their offense reminds They're me quick, of the you know, they've got Toronto like, Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah, the young, quick team. But they, they played mm-hmm. with speed, and I, I think also they were playing with a pretty hefty measure of de- desperation at that point because they oh, were yeah. still trying to fight to get that last playoff spot in the West. And since then, it's kind of taken a downhill turn again. Mm-hmm. But they were, they were playing hard against us, and the Sharks were kind of weathering the storm through a lot of that game. Um, I think a key microcosm of that was when Mikhail Bodker scored the um, shorthanded goal uh, yes. to, to put us up 2-1. I think that was like a great example of the it. Sharks kind of taking taking it, taking it, and getting a counterattack back. Um, yeah, the thing, the thing that fun. I really liked about this game, remind me, I have a point about Burns that came up on the broadcast when Randy was talking about him. Okay, But I think you highlight it well, is that like the Sharks in the – and the Winnipeg Jets both are very good teams but the Sharks are have that veteran depth and presence of mind that it seems like Winnipeg they can come out hot but they're still pretty young and then some of the veterans they have on their team you know are like Dustin Bufflin who isn't the best with penalty stuff and uh, if the Sharks just keep it up you know that Winnipeg kind of collapses and that's what we saw in this game. And I, I think the turning point was that shorthand of the goal. Yeah. And then after that, they just didn't look. No, I I, like I disagree. I think they still brought it. And I think Dell. I still think they brought it. Dell did I an think... excellent job. He had an excellent pad save against line a, um, in the last few minutes of the third, uh, he had some other really good saves that kind of kept the sharks in it. Um, yeah, I, I will say that I think the sharks, intense kept the pressure the whole entire time and didn't collapse on themselves and i think 
uh, Winnipeg did to an extent. Um, but then, you know, it was still only a one-goal game after the uh, short-handed, goal. shorthanded goal. And, um, you know, they were highly talented, and they, they, were, they absolutely needed to win this game and a couple of the games that they had around this time. Uh, so they, they definitely came in hard when they pulled their goalie. Yeah, you know, to try and score, and I think you know they basically had a power play for that, and they give it to them. They they were ripping it, and Dell was getting some amazing saves, um, and they even scored after we scored. We scored an empty net goal on them, um, and then they scored after that. And ironically, the empty net goal ended up being the game winner. Yeah. So I, I will. I would just like to clarify that yes, they did look good, but I think they had a really late push because it was still only a one-goal game, whereas the Sharks had an extended dominance after that goal. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I think I, I, think I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I just... And it's been a while since I saw the game. I just remember the furious push at the end and Dell doing really well. Um, yeah. So on, yeah, on that empty netter, which turned out to be the game winner, um, that's when Joe got his uh, thousandth assist. Um, yeah. really good job by Favelski just going for it and, <laughs> and yeah, ended up scoring because yeah. otherwise, because I think it went off a, um, a Winnipeg player's body somehow and, defla- oh, and went that. in. So congrats to uh, Joe Thornton. That's really amazing. 13th player in history to, to get to 1,000 assists. Yeah, the past couple of games when there were, had been pulled goalies in favor of the Sharks, the uh, Sharks had trying to get Thornton out there just so he could get that assist so he could, you know, have the milestone and move on. Right. And uh, they were purposely trying to, um, purposely trying to let Thornton get that assist. Like they had two, two Sharks players at the blue line who are just like waiting for it, like spaced further apart. And uh, Thornton got the puck and he just fired it to Pavelski. I think it was closer and I think Hurdle was lined up like in the exact same spot, like ten feet behind him on the blue line, just like waiting for the pass. Depending on like where the shooting lanes were blocked, mm-hmm. passing lanes are blocked, they could still get it there for the assist. But uh, yeah, I noticed that he. I think the Vancouver game. Did they pull the goalie? Uh, probably. I think it was the last yeah, one. They was did. 3-1, yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but earlier, I forget one of the game. Maybe it was, oh yeah, it was, it was Tomas Hurdle. After they pulled the goalie, Tomas Hurdle had a chance for a goal with a Joe Thornton assist on it, and he shot at the empty goal and missed the net. Yeah. And I was just like, I was, you know, at that point, he, you know, Thornton didn't have his thousands assist. And I was just like, dude, come on. Yeah. Like, you have to hit the net. <laughs> you have to get the hit. Well, yeah. well, he got there, you know. Um, yeah, he did. And it was, I, I just thought it was kind of funny. I was like, of all the times to miss <laughs> know, the net, right? like, miss it next game. But not it was weird. Game. He, he kind of took like a downturn lately, uh, kind of leading up to this milestone. But it seems like he's kind of moved on yeah. and he's picking it back up maybe again. So. Let's let's yeah, talk I about think... Thornton a little bit more later. Let's finish these game recaps, um, yeah, if that's first, okay. Hanson. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to say that Randy had a cool comment. He was saying, um, which I thought was a great point. He said, "How many points would Burns have if the Sharks had a top five power play like they had in the seasons before, 
or at least a lot better. You know, he said likely leading the league. And at this point, um, Burns was closer to the points assists, like uh, in the points race. I think he was still fourth. Uh, McDavid hadn't really pulled away, and Burns um, lately hasn't been scoring as much, except for this. I think the next game against Capitals. He made up for it. He got like three assists in one game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's like over the course of, you know, what is it, 68, 70 games at this point? Um, you know, could you imagine an extra 10 points coming from Burns on the power play? Like, yeah, yeah, I can totally see that because the entire power play like runs through Burns. Yeah, no, definitely. I, yeah, I could see him being higher if we had more power play points, but I think that that was an interesting point. Right. And I think on another year when our power play is clicking, he'll, he'll still get a lot of points. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. really about the way that he plays that he gets, he's getting all these these points these goals and assists because he just goes for it you know um yeah definitely. with the shot the, the shots that he'll take he'll just take a ton of shots he's quarterbacking the power play he's quarterbacking five on five a lot of times um yeah a lot of the way the sh- what the sharks are doing is they're getting it to the point burn shoots it looking for tips deflections mm-hmm. uh redirections things like that or he's just shooting on net um and the thing is is it's not just burns that's how the sharks do it the Sharks, a lot of teams try to focus on left to right cycling, like cycling Yeah, like creating a backdoor chance of sorts. Uh, just like getting people moving, right? right? Opening up shooting lanes and stuff like that. The The Sharks do a really good job of cycling horizontal, uh, uh, vertically. Mm. They cycle up and down. So they move it low, then back high. Yeah. So yes, Burns, he's our best defenseman offensively, and he gets the most points. But obviously, we play the same way with Paul Martin, Brendan Dillon, and uh, Dylan DeMello. Like, those are names that just popped in my head of just, they do the same thing. They get those shots off. Right, of course. And they're, Burns they're is just so noticeable that it seems like it's 70% yeah, of the time him, you know? <laughs> yeah, obviously, he has a, an amazing talent to get through the net on all those quick wristers that he does. But I found it very interesting that they uh, are using that high-low cycle very well as far as left right cycle mm-hmm. yeah so uh i guess we could talk about the hansen trade now since uh the next game against the capitals um a few days ago was actually his first game um, uh i think we should just cap this game oh off. you just want to talk uh-huh. about the game itself okay well i Caps. mean he sc- he got the first assist he got a primary assist on, on yeah Burton's but i mean there's, goal, there's right? implications on the roster and stuff like yeah, that okay we, we can go more in depth all right how we feel about the move yeah but, uh, yeah, he, he played well, which is great. Regardless of what we think about the trade as, as we go talk about it, he, he's been playing well for the Sharks. He made an, a, an immediate impact, as they say. Yeah, an immediate <laughs> primary assist, too, <laughs> yeah. in his first game. His first game in Teal, which happened to be black because it was a Thursday home game and they wore the black. He, he's initiating a new era where Joe Thornton is going to become a goal scorer again. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was Burns, just the way that like bearded person was like ripped into the zone and got that shot off. And I was like typing the note. I was like, oh, and Burns gets a great feat. And then I was like, oh, that was Thornton. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems like he's been uh, shooting a little bit more um, yeah, the last yeah, he has. few weeks. He made a comment of that to someone. I think he said something about that. And I, and I enjoy it. Yeah, he's like, got to 1,000 um, assists. Now I can try and score goals again. <laughs> now I can Unless get I forget that Joe Thornton has like... 380 something assists in his career like that's not something to be sneezed no, no, no. at Ooh, migs i just caught you 
He only has 382 assists. I think he has only 382 goals. I said goals, didn't I? No, oh, you I didn't, but it's okay. Oh, <laughs> Yay. whatever, yeah. I am not also alone. I didn't hold to it speaking. like you did the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just made a verbal yeah. error. Uh, 382 yes, yes. goals, which is nothing to be sneezed at. So, yeah. you can't – he's not a goal scorer. Well, the, yeah, how many I players think have gotten hit. at least 350 assists in their career, right? Yeah, I think he could hit um, 400 goals. Yeah. He doesn't score that many goals, so it's not like we can really. Well, he had twenty. Up that he number. had twenty goals last year, or something like that. Okay, what about the year before? Right, that was a an eleven. <laughs> something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway, that's cool. That was a, that was a great feed by uh, Hansen to Thornton uh, streaking mm-hmm. in the zone, like you said. Jumbo got honored for his a thousand assists, and they they were talking about some of the names. Uh, that's only 12 people before them have ever done that. And they were showing some like crazy stats about like across other leagues, what is also like so rare, like what are the numbers that are so rare in the NFL and like the NBA to get. And they were trying to get pick numbers that were like as close to 12 or 13 as possible. And like, I didn't, I'm not a huge fan of basketball or NFL or NFL or something like that, but they, those numbers were just like, insane the one that i saw in the nba was like twenty seven thousand plus career points i was just like wow yeah I, I remember that infographic yeah uh, I, I i remembered it being very notable but it didn't mean a whole lot to me because you know i'm mostly just a hockey fan yeah that was, that was cool the ceremony they had that, that would be really cool yeah. to be there and and kind of see that um yeah did you know he's that the event in history? Only the thirteenth player to do that in the history of the NHL, but he's still not one of the top one hundred players in the NHL. Yeah, I know, right? What a NHL. joke. That's, <laughs> the more I think oh, about that, let's put uh, three Blackhawks on there that are current players. <laughs> what does Jonathan Taves do? <laughs> Why is he like so lauded? I, I don't understand they've it. won three Stanley Cups, but that's like yes. all it was founded on, maybe. You know? I know. They're a very good team. But they I are. Just don't They're get... really good players, but it's just like I don't get the thing about Taves, honestly. Yeah. He is a good player. Yes. He is a good two way player. Yes. Does he deserve his contract? I'm sure he deserves a very high contract and maybe he deserves his contract. But like with Kane, it's like very clear, just like this guy scores a crap ton of points all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? I get that. I get why you would put Kane on there, although I still think it's too early. Right? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that's the thing that bothers me. It's like there, it's still too early for them to be on there. It's like putting McDavid on there. It's like okay, McDavid is not one of the top. <laughs> I know, right? It's like yes, Don't he's think better that's than jumping the gun a little bit. Exactly. Like yeah. yes, he's better than uh, than Taves and maybe even Crosby. Will you say that? I don't know, but I'm sure someone will say that eventually, or at least consider it. Or, you know, all he's better than most players in the league. Maybe like only five or so players are better at him than his position. Um, and he's not on that list, you know, <laughs> like why are, why are these people who are like only turning 30, 32? Yeah, there? it was, it know. was annoying. It was um, we're still, we're still a little salty about that. Yeah. And um, it feeds our, we played, uh, it feeds our, uh, irrational injustice. suspicion that everybody's just against the sharks. <laughs> no, everybody's just against the East, the Western conference. <laughs> yeah. Except the Blackhawks. Especially Hawks. the, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's the Pacific. I was just about to say it's the, the Pacific, Pacific Division. Pacific Division where everyone's in the what uh, Pacific time zone. Yeah. Because like Minnesota, the Blackhawks, and like Detroit, you know, Detroit's now in the East, but they were in the West for a long time, and their games, you know, they can they're only like an hour or two hours difference in the time, but the Sharks games, they start at 7.30. That's 10.30 on the East Coast, so there's just no love yeah. for the Sharks, and that's okay. I think it works for us in scouting, but I think it works against us come travel time. And Oh, the, definitely, yeah. The lower amount of... Uh, and psychologically, I think that's something that helped us last year, would be being under the radar yeah. for the first time in however long, I like really... I don't think we're under the radar in the uh western conference in the eastern oh, dude, conference i think we are for show like listening like the sharks i, I listen well, to some yeah because everything podcasts. comes they from do not talk about the sharks very much they're they are all over talking minnesota because and chicago and everyone's stuff. based in the east coast all these hockey writers because it's all for yeah. nbc it's all for nbc and if you had fox based stuff fox is based in la i would feel confident that if there was like a nice fox sports well-known sports stuff um they would talk about the sharks more maybe yeah anyway what i was just I mean, saying that's, that's though, just guessing the, but the sharks but yeah. i think just impressions not saying how much media coverage i got but in terms of people's predictions of how teams are doing the playoffs last year i think the sharks not having those expectations they were, they played well last year and yeah. and you know if that it's gonna be the same thing like people aren't paying a ton of attention to them now like that's good you know yeah um and I think I think you get the big names with like the Sharks just do really well and don't make enormous blockbuster trades only unless they like super need to when they have with Boyle and Thornton and uh, Burns. Yeah. But they're not doing that like every year like Minnesota happens to be and then Chicago is always cap strapped, so it's always really interesting what they do. Doug Wilson Chicago ma- and, Sorry, go ahead. Chicago and Minnesota are still basically in the eastern conference a cut time zone or really close to it so they can still get the coverage that they need yeah but they rarely talk about la or the yeah well they have talked about la because they've won the cup so much well, also like, chicago's original sick it's and minnesota's like hockey town hockey state USA. exactly right? that's yeah so they've they've got those things for them too outside of that because so, we're a non-traditional market in the worst time zone for coverage yeah Anyway, enough about this conversation. Uh, so the Capitals so we, game. Um, Dan, former Shark Daniel Winnick, who we do not like at this point anymore. Dude, I hate that guy. I don't know why. You don't hate, but he just like betrayed us. He's just he did betray I us. dislike this player. Whatever. That that wasn't like a great season in our history. I anyway. literally, I literally on my notes for this game, I said Daniel Winnick is on the Capitals, and therefore we still hate him. <laughs> Oh he's jumped to another team which plays the sharks yeah that was cold was that was so cold when he he's just like cool. nope not interested gonna sign with the ducks yeah <laughs> he did. who cares whatever yeah but uh yannick hansen's first game he played very well like we talked about he got some stuff and he's fast which i like it which i really like um i like that the sharks have started to pick up some players who have some foot speed like, we got Yannick Hansen, who's fast, but we don't necessarily have to implement a rookie to be fast. Right. You know? Like, uh, not Chicago, but the Penguins did last year. They had a couple, like, really young players, and they were very fast, and that was their thing. 
But when you think about it, like some of the Sharks players aren't necessarily super young, but they're fast. Yeah. And that's just like a natural attribute of them, not necessarily that you have to be young. So we get some experience with that as well. Another thing with Hansen drawing into the lineup, I kind of paired with uh, Donskoy coming back from injury. And just looking oh, yeah. at our, our roster these past couple of games since since that game, that first game where Hansen played against the Capitals, wow, like we look stacked. Like our fourth Dude, line do. is Carlson, Tierney, and like <laughs> Haley. And as much as people like, some people will dislike Haley, like as That's far so as like stupid. Mike Brown and like John Scott and Michael Haley, like Michael Haley is like, can add way more in terms of skill like than those other two guys. He has above average skill for a fourth yeah, liner. You see him do things that are, are are good contributions in games. Like, yeah. um, and, and and that's just like one guy. Everybody else, like these lines look great. You know, like yeah, this excites me. And and like you said, Hanson being a fast excited. player, uh, that that builds the speed of the team. Like wow, like mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if you want to talk about like each goal but really what i saw at the end of that game was if you want to talk about minnesota being a measuring stick game wow talk about this mm-hmm. game being a measuring stick game because they they played really well especially closing out that game um the capitals could have been pushing back trying to to um because i think it was three two going to third they could have been pushing back trying to to tie it trying to win it they're a really dangerous team uh, but the sharks were just not having it they were doing great on the forecheck, doing great in the neutral zone, um, getting a lot of takeaways, breaking, breaking up a lot of the Capitals' chances. Even even when the Capitals got in the power play towards the end of the game, the Sharks' penalty kill was excellent and aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. I think Couture like, was just like in the offensive zone on the penalty kill, like stick lifting, like holding it in their zone at one point. It was, it was just a really cool thing to see. Like It made me think like, and I know the Sharks are going to play to win, but, like, the Sharks have stuff in the tank that, like, they're a great team. And come playoff time, like, those those juices, like, hopefully will start flow- <laughs> flowing, you know? Like, they're going to bring – like, hopefully they're going to bring their top game, like, go all out because it's the playoffs. And I hope yeah, what we'll see do. there is just, like, the Sharks that we know, like, the power play will start clicking, like, the – the things that they're airing in will just come together and yeah. hopefully like gel. Um, and I'm excited for that to happen. So, yeah. So this yeah. was a, the first game after the, what was this? This was on the ninth. So this is a home game on the ninth and they actually had some time to work on their power play because Hanson arrived in San Jose. Um, he got to practice them the day before on Wednesday, mm-hmm. the day before, and they were working on like power play stuff. And uh, Hansen straight up started on the PK, which I think is awesome. Because most of the time, players don't implement special teams until they've been with the team for a while, because that's very, like, team-specific info. It's about specifically what teams do in each situation. So if you want to just, like, understand how to integrate with the team, you probably need to learn more about the system overall before you do that. It speaks very well of him that he immediately was on the PK. Um... But the Sharks got time to practice their power play, and they had the full power play units against the full PK units. I heard that was said on the broadcast. And the Sharks' power play looked different and good. Mm -hmm. They got, I think, two power play goals, and one of them 
another goal was basically a power play goal. Yeah, like it was somebody like coming two or three right seconds out of the box. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a second after the power play ended. I remember that. So pretty much, but I think uh, yeah. I think even some of the announcers were saying that they thought it was a legit power play goal, but the league like said it wasn't. So it must have been like well, no, fractions, the, or might have been the, fractions uh, of seconds. I I forgot I who know. took that penalty that we're referring to, but the player straight up like didn't leave the box. Oh really? Yeah, he just like, he just like brain <laughs> farted and was like in there for an extra <laughs> second or two, and That's then so strange. like as he stepped on the ice, like it was right after he stepped on the ice. But he, the power play had been Oh, over that's really bizarre. For like a second. Yeah, he was just like, derp. Um, yeah, so I think this was, like like you were saying, um, the Caps are measurably the best team in the league by points. And they have been for a little while. <laughs> and like and, fewest goals allowed. And like best yeah. five on five scoring ratio. And a yeah, good they were, they're just killing it yeah. in this game. And the Sharks come in and dominate them. Yeah. Like straight up dominate them the whole game. Uh, the Sharks came back, or the Caps came back. They got the first goal. Thornton scores and ties it. Um, and then Pavs gets a tip on a Burns goal, a Burns shot from the point. 2-1 Sharks. Caps again tie it. Sharks get a power play, 3-2 Sharks, and then 4-2 Sharks. And then that ends up being the goal. So what I mean to highlight with that and what i really appreciate is that they kept on fighting mm-hmm. they did not let they the didn't caps stop get even at the lead yeah yeah they it was tied two times and they won the lead back twice and wouldn't and you say that important. that was something that they demonstrated a, a great job at doing last year in the playoffs when they had leads they they held on to them really well uh i feel like that's true i don't really it's been so long i don't remember the particulars of that but trust me, <laughs> I, I will trust yeah. you. In this no, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was the case. And even if you look at the, the final games against Nashville and St. Louis, they, they took sizable leads and they held on to them, you know? Um, yeah. We, we super nullified the caps yeah. and I, and I love it. it and I, I will like to say about the power play that I talked about before. Mm-hmm. What I really like is that they're now starting to implement the high slot player who sits in the high slot about the top of the circles, maybe a couple feet into the circles in the middle of the ice. Okay. And they use them for like 90 degree redirect passing Mm -hmm. and the movement is crisp and it's fast. And, uh, they immediately, it immediately paid off after that practice where they, as a team really went after that in particular. So you're saying they have two people at the point, uh, two people like bottom circles and one, one person in the high slot. Uh, it's like a big plus sign. I think it's three across the middle of the zone, one high in the point and one in front of the net to make five. Oh really? I think so. Yeah. And then but the, everyone, but everyone's, shift everyone's it, rotating right? around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. yeah, but that's the idea is that we've got two people in front of the goalie in the middle of the slot mm. and then that draws two players and that becomes four players in front of the goalie and then we've got the two players on the sides who can rotate and move around to um you know move east west right but as we started to implement i think a lot of teams do that too um but it's been it, it works immediately immediately was apparent yeah um so, I loved yeah. it. Anyway, should we uh, move on to the Nashville game? 
yeah, uh, we didn't really talk too much about this game, but I honestly just think it was just an awesome showing from the Caps. The Caps they or the Predators? Well. No, the, no, from the Caps. Like, the Caps came out and played well. Oh, the Sharks oh, okay. just, like, dominated them. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not like the Caps just, like, sucked and, you know, had a bunch of, like, giveaways and derpy, like, goalie mistakes. Like, no, the Sharks just came out and played hard and beat a really good team. Yeah. And then, so you pair that with, like, our season as a whole against Minnesota. It's like, just because we lost to Minnesota this past game does not necessarily mean that we, like, can't hold it. We just beat the best team in the league handedly. Yeah. And then the game before against Minnesota, we scored four goals against them, mm-hmm. you know. And it really was a 2-1 win against Minnesota. Yes, it was an that goal, so yes, it clearly counts, but inflates the score a little bit. Um. And then Couture uh, was sitting on two goals. He got two power play goals this game, and he still does not have a career hat trick. He had a chance for the empty net, and he missed it. Well, no. That would have been his hat I trick. I think Hansen yeah. could have passed it in, but Hansen took the shot and hit the post. <laughs> he took the shot, hit the post, yeah. which Couture retrieved, and then it was a tight angle, and he shot and missed. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I'm sure Couture wanted that. Yeah, they he have not a lot of empty net trick. chances, and they missed, like, all of them. I know. It's like, come on, guys. But so it could have been 5-2, yeah. Yeah, I just want Couture to get a hat trick, dude. When he finally gets that one, dude, he has, just, yeah, he's already gotten his first one, game. but he's only had one in his career. No, he hasn't. Yeah, he, no, he got it like earlier this season or last season. I no. I guarantee you, he did. He's only gotten one though. Ian, why don't we move on? Why to the don't next you trust game? me as one of your best friends? <laughs> no, tr- no, it it actually did happen. Um, while Ian corroborates my. Oh, you're right. Yeah. He's only had one, I guess. Right, so now I don't like you anymore because you didn't trust me. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I didn't trust you. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure the broadcaster said that he didn't have one, which is why I didn't trust you, and I'm sorry. Randy makes mistakes sometimes, though. (laughs) It's true. Uh, true. Anyway, let's talk about Nashville. Um, I didn't didn't see this game. Um, I was in class yesterday um, when it happened. Uh, but from what I heard, the Sharks kind of like lacked a desperation that Nashville was bringing. Nashville had lost four straight going into this game, um, and they were going to bring it. Um, unfortunately, the Sharks uh, didn't play up to snuff to kind of really match that, and they ended up losing 3-1, unfortunately. Um, I think it was 3-1 with an empty netter at the end. So they kind of stayed in it, but they didn't really have mm-hmm. enough to mount yeah. much of a comeback. This this looked just like the playoffs last year. This team is good. Mm-hmm. This team is really good. They had a rough start to the season, which makes them in a precarious position about the playoffs. Um, but when they're playing well, like they did this game, uh, they are they are a really good team that pair really really well against the Sharks. Like the Sharks came out and controlled the first and got the first goal, um, and then. Uh, Jones had a big derp. Not Jones, but like... Oh, no. There was a weird defensive play where it went to the point. By DeMello like, against the boards. There, so. Yeah, and then it got shot from the point. I saw that, though. I mean... Predators, and they like land, it like hit Braun and then like landed on Ryan Johansson's stick. Like, 
three feet in front of the net and then yeah. you just had time to like look and shoot and they score. I mean I wanna hold that against that DeMello sucks. too much. That was kinda of, like weird. The guy was like streaking no, around it was, the boards a lot of and he like wrong. was fortunate to some extent. I don't know, yeah. Yeah, a lot of things went wrong. Um it's just kinda of unfortunate that it happened, but you know, that was the defining thing of this game. Yeah. Right. I think DeBoer indicated that's not the defining thing, sorry. That cost us right. a lot in the game because Nashville is so good. DeBoer DeBoer said that he didn't think DeMello's error cost them the game. I think he when he said that he was implying more that the Sharks lacking um mm-hmm. enough get up to kind of come back cuz it was still a one goal game uh for a lot of the game and they could have could have yeah. done better offensively and things like that and they they didn't have it, you know. Yeah. So the thing that I saw is that the the Predators, they didn't look dangerous. They were, like, controlling play and, like, nullifying the Sharks. But they didn't look like they were, like, con- like constantly coming in and, like, having, like, these really effective, like, zone passing and, like, options and, like, really testing Jones. It didn't really seem like that. Like, the goal that they had was just kind of, like, a, a harmless chance. It was, like, a good entry and it was a, a good goal, but it just, like, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. It wasn't after like a lot of play or anything like that. So I mean, the Sharks were in it. The uh, um, Nashville controlled play and, and they they deserved their win. But yeah, I, I just like in my notes, I was just like, I remember why I hate playing the Nashville Predators because they're so good. Maybe maybe <laughs> a similar nature this. game in nature to like the the Minnesota game where they were kind of yeah. still in it, but they didn't really play well enough to to come back and tie it or make it more yeah i think yeah i i think the i mean i didn't see the nashville game or the minnesota game so just based on impressions Um, migs i have one question for you yeah why do the nashville predators have a three-star dragon ball shoulder patch dude i don't know i've noticed that why does it look like dragon ball Someone please tweet at us or send <laughs> us an email. Know. Let You're us right. know. I've wondered about that. I don't know what that is. Why they have a three-star Dragon Ball shoulder patch? It just. I will say I really like their jerseys, not because of the pattern or the, like they kind of got like a their, their uh, font for their names are interesting, and they've got like this stuff at the bottom. Do you like the yellow? I really like the yellow and the blue. Mm. A because our universities have those colors. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. UCLA for you is it's a little bit of but UCLA has more gold like a powder blue, you know. Yeah, they get their own thing, but pretty much every UC is gold and blue. Mm-hmm. So I like it, but then it's also it's a nice refresh of like the rest of the league. It's uh, it's not as done as much, and um, they use a lot of yellow, which is great. Yeah, I really like it, um, and I like their yellow helmets too. Kind of reminds me of like a college team, just with the color selection and their hmm. jersey stuff. I really like it. Um, I just am bewildered by their three-star Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. Maybe their owner has it. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. And he's trying to make it commonplace. And yeah, I didn't understand that either. That's Collect the other six. That's a mystery to me, too. Someone please let us know um, if they had some press release about that. We would love to be tweeted at. We'll, we'll include that information at the end of the episode. <laughs> or, or now, tweet us at underscore at back to the point. Well, they can't do it now because we haven't released the podcast <laughs> yet. Well, that way they want to listen. We're to not live streaming yeah. our podcast. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> we're not at that level we... yet. 
Yeah, we're not good. Anyway, um, we... I think that's about it. We can talk about about it for this game. Let's go ahead and move on to the right, Nina yeah. Hansen stuff and kind of uh, Joe Thornton. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll give my take on Hansen first. Um, what we? What was the trade? So the trade was Yannick Hansen for Nikolai Goldobin and a conditional fourth-round pick, which becomes a first-round pick if the Sharks win the Stanley Cup, which is like good take four first-round picks. We won Stanley <laughs> Cup. <laughs> you know. Which is which is good. Have the first, second-round pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but honestly, I would give up like multiple first-round picks for them to win their first Stanley Cup, you know? Like that's a big deal. Um, Anyway, I I think it was what stood out to me was like, oh, Yannick Hansen didn't he play like on the Canucks when we lost to them in 2011? So I just know he's been on the Canucks for a while, and I didn't really know about the type much about the type of player he was. But from what I gathered, kind of looking into him, the the good kind of speedy player that he was that could um, contribute on both sides of the puck, I thought it was a pretty good add. He's not too old. It's not a contract where he's just a rental. He's got another year on the contract um, where the Sharks can at least like have him for another year and see if he fits well with the team. Um, I thought it was a good signing. Um, of all the prospects that we could have given up, um, it kind of sucks to see Goldobin go in the sense that he was a first-round pick and he's got um, he had maybe a fairly high ceiling for being a pretty good offensive player, but at the same time with all the talent that we've seen infused into the lineup with Kevin LeBanc, Timo Meyer, even Sorensen coming up, um, what's his name? Danny O'Regan doing really well in the Barracuda as well. Um, of all the prospects, he was considering that we have all those prospects. I, I could see why making that move for the short term and, and making this playoff run, it was a good choice. So, um, overall, I think it was it was a good move by Doug Wilson. I know there are some people out there in the media, on some unnamed, uh, unofficial Sharks blogs, that uh, like to throw tirades about how it's a, a terrible, terrible trade. We'll but whatever, we can ignore those people, <laughs> or just be upset at them. <laughs> Turns out, if you write a blog, it doesn't mean that you're actually a part of the Sharks organization <laughs> or are qualified, even if you've been at the blog for a long time. Right. Um, and we should stipulate we should, too. This is just something that we're doing for fun too, and we have our opinions. But we know we're, we're definitely we far from qualified. We will be wrong a lot. Yes, we've already we'll joked not so much in our podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll you try not to like... getting a thousand points, <laughs> and me saying me saying some other weird things too. So we'll we'll try our very best to not go on tirades on Twitter and call people out and yeah do all that um so yeah i thought overthought think it's a pretty good trade what do you think yeah uh makes who would you have given up instead of Goldovin? honestly in hindsight thinking like i because i know i asked you this on the day because now we've, we've seen him play a little bit we have time to mull it over but on the day i believe you would have said merkel yeah oh right yeah i and I would have, when yeah. I say I believe, it's because I asked you this question and you said, let's give up Merck on Mueller instead. <laughs> <laughs> I've also talked about yeah. how in the past, if I yeah. s- saw Mirka Mueller get treated, I wouldn't be too sad. But um, You were on record as uh, not particularly being a fan of Mirka Mueller yeah. because he's lost your trust, not that you don't believe yep, him. Yeah. yeah, and I, I hold out a little bit for Mirka Mueller because I'm only hearing good things from the 
Roy Somner. Mm-hmm. Sumner? Sommer. Sommer. Sommer, not Sommer. I think, yeah. Um, yeah, and just the fact that he's, like, only 21. I think he's 22 now, maybe, but I still think he's 21. And uh, defensemen take a little bit longer, so I, I hope that'll be good. But, you know, as we started to come to talk about this trade and giving up a first-round pick, it really kind of started to dawn on me that, like, okay, just because you're picked in the first round does not necessarily mean that you are a guaranteed talent. Yeah. Especially, like, a lot, like, when you're picked in the first round, like, if you were picked in the first round of that, like, 2007 draft or 2003 draft, 2003 draft, where it was just, like, every single person picked in the first round was, like, a superstar in this league right now. Like, that was one of the deepest drafts ever. Mm -hmm. Right? Or this coming up draft where everyone's saying it's, like, yeah, basically out of the top, 15 picks like after that they're basically a normal year's second round pick yeah right so okay the sharks are probably gonna have a higher pick so we're basically getting two second round picks is what the people in the know and the professional scouts are kind of talking about um and goldobin like he was a higher pick he was 27th overall and then when we picked him that year we didn't see anyone we liked and we traded down um to get another pick and then uh, pick Goldobin. And it wasn't necessarily a super deep draft. Um, some really good players have come out of that draft. Uh, Pasternak notably went before Goldobin and I think after our original 20th pick. Okay. So, um, like, obviously, it, there's a bit of a risk going on. But even if you look at that, it was the number of people who have played more games than LeBanc from the 20th pick overall to where LeBanc was picked in the seventh round. Like LeBanc at that time had played like 51 games or around 50 games. There was only five people in the entire draft, including the first round. Yeah. Something like that where there had been, um, like what was it? that's like maybe a hundred plus picks, like that's also some first round picks, second round picks, third round picks, and it gets a little bit tapered off after that. But you know the draft isn't guaranteed. Definitely, yeah. And and so the thing is, is like if out of that draft, you're just getting players that can make the roster who have skill, right? Mm. And generally, oh, a first round player has a lot of skill more so than a second round or a third round or something like that, right? But the fact that we can get LeBanc, who is playing as if he was like a first or second round pick is skill, you know, mm-hmm. that makes, that makes Goldoman expendable. Yeah. He's, and he, th- the role has already been filled or potentially filled for yeah, what they were be- aiming like for. Like you mentioned. Yeah. Like you mentioned, we had so much depth and he had been passed over because I think his skill ceiling was so high, but the gaps in his game that kept him out of the NHL definitely made it harder for him to reach that ceiling. Like, he was getting playing time on the Sharks before DeBoer started. Under McClellan, he got some games. And then the next year, DeBoer, like, didn't get in anything, you know? Because DeBoer saw him differently than McClellan did. And, you know, ultimately, I think he only got a few games under DeBoer. I think he got maybe under 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, it didn't, didn't really work out for him. And I think the defensive 
um, game of his, it, it came along, but it just not enough that it made him untradeable. And I think he'll play a little bit better on the Canucks, who are learning and don't have as high of a bar for defense as we do um, because they're in a rebuild and they're really just trying to get the team going uh, and learning, whereas we need to win right now. And if you're a big liability, instead of working with you and maybe keeping you in the AHL, Canucks will probably keep you in the NHL and, you know, you can work that out with the team as yeah. the team as a whole grows. And it's a little bit yet to be decided, like what kind of player mm-hmm. he might turn into. So um, yeah. we're not saying that like, oh, he's a first round bust, but um, yeah, I just, think he's very you good. You make a good point though, that it's like, well, he was a first round pick. It's like, yes, but like sometimes like you, you kind of have to think short term sometimes depending on what your goal is as a team. Right. And the sharks are definitely in win now mode. Um, yeah again (laughs) so exactly like you talk about first round picks being like high skill like you can talk about so many first round busts yeah right like pk suban was a second round pick and he's great just because someone was picked before him doesn't mean they're better yeah you know it means that initially people thought they might be better but that's not always right you know rick di pietro the goalie (laughs) he was our first overall pick Mm -hmm. maybe i think he was or he was you know first round pick and that didn't work out so, yeah, and um, and, I th- and it's I not think, like uh, with trading Goldobin we mortgaged our future because we have all these players that that I kind of mentioned, you know. Yeah, I really like how we dealt from a place of strength in our organization. That, yeah, definitely. How we didn't give up like uh, Tierney or Carlson, who was like currently on the roster, and that would have hurt us. Mm-hmm. We gave up one of the options to fill in those roles, which I liked, and it was from a place of strength, which I, which I, especially because it was a winger which we have more of. And what an amazing thing that the Sharks have kind of arrived at this this position of strength that you're saying over the past few years when just three, four years ago, we would have thought, you know, the playoff window is closing. Like, we... Terrible yeah, things have happened in the playoffs and we don't have prospects. All of a sudden, we bounce back after the, the season of not making the playoffs. We go to the Stanley Cup final... Doug Wilson made not only some good drafting decisions where some players are painting off, like Kevin LeBanc. Um, uh, I don't know who else. Uh, <laughs> that's the only person I can think of. Timo Meyer, things like that. But also signing outside of the draft, like getting Eunice Donskoy, who, as we know, has played a really important role on this team in the past year and a half or so. Um even getting, I think Sorensen, wasn't he like a European signing or something like that? Sorensen was the same thing as Donskoy, but this year. Okay, and then Tim Heed. Or Tim if Heed, Donskoy was the year before, he was the year after Donskoy. Tim Heed, was he, was he the one where um, we, the Ducks drafted, so the Ducks drafted him, but we signed yeah. him later? Like, just being really Ducks, savvy with getting players, not only through the draft, but like the scouting staff being aware of these things and really kind of adding to, to the the youth of our, the organization and the minor league players um, where we're still in win no, now mode and we still have a legitimate shot to win the Stanley cup, but like our future is fairly well set up too. Um, yeah, dude, we restocked the cupboard real fast and in a good way. Yeah. It just, it just happened, you know, it's like, Whoa, we have yeah. like prospects again, <laughs> dude, trust the process. Trust DW. Yeah. He's earned it. Never fire Doug Wilson. <laughs> Never fire Doug Wilson. Um, yeah, I think it was... We should send a card to Doug Wilson that's like, 
We're so Dude, we sorry should. we doubted you. You're awesome. <laughs> Dude, we should send him a card. Yeah. We should figure out how to do that. That would be great. Yeah. I would love to. Because remember how people were chanting fire Doug Wilson at the end of the season yeah, where they didn't make the playoffs? And dude, I understand I that. that. I, I wanted Doug Wilson to be fired at one point. But then, like. I think I think we both did. I think I came around first. Yeah. But we both. I, I believe we both said we, that. We learned our lesson, I think, with In last shame. year with like the, the big change of going so far. But just realizing that there's going to be those ebbs and flows naturally. And you can't just, yeah. like, scapegoat the general manager. Like, if he's made, like... he's actually the problem. If he's... Yeah, he's made a couple flubs here and there, like Adam Burrish and maybe Mike Brown, for example. But who who got Joe Thornton? Who got Dan Boyle? Who got Brent Burns? These, like, game... These, like, franchise-changing players, right? Mm -hmm. Who who made those trades? Doug Wilson. And the impact of those trades by far outweighs any negativity that would have come from... Signing Adam Burrish or getting John Scott or signing uh, yeah. Mike Brown, like things like that. Like those are minuscule in comparison. That's what I've, yeah, I've said that. I said that before, maybe last time. But yeah, like his mistakes or the things that don't go well aren't like cataclysmic yeah, things. Yeah, you don't, we haven't remembered right. any Doug Wilson. Well, the thing that yeah. he's done is it's like, I think that probably the worst one probably would have, would have been Havlat. But then we had the option to oh, buy him yeah. out. And even then, like, he was doing well. He just was, like, an injury yeah. fiend. So Prone player, yeah. Um, yeah, it just didn't really work out well like that. And, but, and, uh, and anytime you make s- certain signings and certain trades, there's an inherent measure of risk, and, and any general manager will face that. So. Yeah. I just am so thankful that we don't have, like, a... Um, Parise contract where he's you know a good player but he's not his like seven million dollar cap hit player for the next like 10 years yeah definitely you know like and he, they, oh my gosh the minnesota wild have, to have two players like that oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so yeah you you asked me what i thought of the trade and i just didn't address that question um i thought it was a good trade i saw immediately like oh gold got traded and i was like like that hurts like that name hurts but then the more i thought about it it's like you know what like i don't don't really think he would have been a fit in our system in the nhl unless he had significant improvement over the next two years and even then he he was a a player who had been passed in the depth chart um yeah he had really high skill but i just think it i I think for for him to make the nhl it's not going to be on a team as defensively responsible and in love with two-way centers as a Sharks. Yeah. Um, and I liked getting back Yannick Hansen. Um, I liked that we got someone who's fast and a name who's like, who we remembered and was a bit of an agitator. Um, but we didn't really know him. Like he was a little bit of unknown, like specifics. Um, and he basically Uh, can slot anywhere from, like, the fourth line to the first line. And last season, he had a career-high 22 goals, which was pretty sweet. Um, But uh, before that, he had been with the Canucks for 10 years, and last year he got 22 goals as a career-high. And he was playing with the... um, He's playing with the Sedins on that line last year as the first line getting 22 
And before that, he'd been playing on, like, the third line. And it took him a while. And he didn't really get as many goals. So I really like that he can show that he played on the first line and it paid off. Um, and I, I think it was a big strength that he immediately could go onto the first line with um, Burn or not Burns, but Pavs and um, Jumbo. I think that's awesome. And uh, Pavs was saying that immediately it felt like they had a um, that he had been playing on the team for a long time, and I think it's a huge asset. And just the fact that he could go ahead and start that game in his first game, already being on the penalty kill. Uh, and the speed he brought to the game, I think he's a really valuable asset, uh, especially that he can really push everyone down on the chart. Um, so, yeah, like uh, Don Soy getting healthy, um, Hurl getting healthy a little bit before, and now Hansen coming in. It pushes everyone but like our best young prospects off of the roster into the HL and allows them to be some like really useful assets to have. Um coming up come playoff time. So I'm a big fan of it. Um, dealt from position of strength, and it didn't really seem to hurt us too much now when we're in a win-now mode. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are some good points about Hansen. Um, definitely a good trade in both of our eyes, and we're happy with it. Um, and, you know, you have to uh, lose something to get something, and I think what we got for the upcoming playoff run is a good thing. Um, so I think, uh, we'd both like to talk about Joe Thornton a little bit more, but we should wait for that until our next podcast, uh, just because we're running pretty long at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope listeners you've enjoyed today's podcast. Um, we'll hopefully be getting back to you guys within the next week and a half or so. Uh, my schedule is calming down a little bit. Ian's is pretty, uh, more regularly open than mine, I should say. Um, so Rebel. thank you again for listening. Yeah. Uh, we'll catch you next time on back to the point. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcast platform you prefer, or you can listen online at www.backtothepointpodcast.com. Do you have any questions for us? Want to suggest a topic for us to discuss in the air? Tweet us at underscore backtothepoint or email us at backtothepoint at yahoo.com. The views and content included in this podcast are our own and is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League in any capacity.